0: Good morning again. Take your Bible, turn to Jeremiah 29. That's in the Old Testament. If you're not sure where Jeremiah is, there's a couple ways to get there. One, God created a table of contents, so use that. Uh, The second one is go about halfway through, you get to Psalm or Proverb and keep going towards the end and you'll get there. Jeremiah 29, we're going to be in a very, very familiar passage of scripture this morning, specifically verse 11, something you've probably heard, seen on a t-shirt or I've seen printed on a home or picture or something like that. Uh, A passage of scripture that really identifies or we identify with over and over again. But the kind of overview where we've been over the last few weeks, we are dealing with the subject of doubt. Every person doubts God, doubts his existence, doubts his goodness. Next week we'll talk about doubting our forgiveness found in him. Every person does that. So if you have ever felt guilty for doubting, I want to go ahead and normalize something for you. You are completely and absolutely normal, okay? You there? I doubt. I've used this quote many times, but I want to continue to reiterate it. The most devout monk who's taken a vow of silence and committed himself to prayer in some castle in the middle of a desert looks at himself in the mirror and wonders, is this all real? It's human nature to doubt. However, overcoming those doubts in order to progress in our faith is very important. So what we've dealt with over the last two weeks is we started with doubting god's existence now i'm not going to make you raise your hand or ask you to do so but have you ever doubted that god exists absolutely you see a documentary on the history channel you have a bad situation happen to you circumstance or life happens and we go man is this all legit and so we started out with a foundational element that god does exist we talked about scripture we talked about logic we even talked about math So we take all these conclusions and all these things together, God exists. Now, as a Christian and what we believe here at River Hills Church is that Jesus is God. And the way we prove that is through the validity of Scripture. Now, we didn't go deep into that. We published a podcast the following Monday. You can go back in our archives and find that. But we talked about because the authenticity of Scripture is true, because it's valid, because there is a historical Jesus, we believe that Jesus is God. So that's layer two. You with me so far? Then we dealt with doubting God's plan. Have you been there before? Lord, what do you want me to do? And how do you want me to do it? And as we look at scripture, as we look at Jesus, as we begin to investigate truths found throughout the entirety of the Bible, God does have a plan he's had the plan since the very beginning nothing takes him by surprise now I love that that song we just sang your love never fails one of the most loving things God does is provide a plan for us you get that now we don't always like his plan right in fact there's more times that we spend in the valley of the shadow of death than we do on the mountaintop agreed But God's plan continues to push through And always culminates in hope. Now we come to the part of the puzzle. And next week we're going to be doubting God's forgiveness. But this morning, we're going to deal with kind of a subject that it's really while we believe there's a God and that He is Jesus and God has a plan. Is that plan good? It's, It's really doubting the goodness of God. Because here's what happens in my life. I'm sure this has happened in your life. Is that when everything begins to go south? We know there's a plan there. We know God exists, but man, God, are you really good here? Is your best intentions really what's happening? You've been there before. Where's God's goodness? Now I want to give you a little homework. We're going to talk about this. Uh, we're going to talk about this now instead of the end. A little homework for you guys this week is the Bible reading plan on the Bible app or the Bible.com. You can snap a picture of it real quick or whatever. Seeing God's goodness during trials. That's something that speaks to every one of us, right? Is that we're in the middle of the storm. Where's God's goodness in the midst of this? So you can check that out. Hopefully, it becomes a habit for you. But here's where I want to go this morning. Instead of trying to completely obliterate this doubt that we have, which is almost impossible. The question we're going to attempt to answer is How do we live in the midst of evil? How do we live when we don't feel like things are good? How do we trust in the midst of that? You with me on that? Now, I'm going to give you some context for that. Now, when I was a teenager, believe it or not, I was very difficult to raise. My parents just uh, celebrated 50 years of marriage this past Friday 50 years of marriage and uh my sister who's younger, i'm the oldest and my youngest sister uh or my only sister who is the youngest uh call my parents and in there in the middle of all this celebration and getting ready to celebrate everything that the lord has done in 50 years um my sister calls them and says how are you doing now my parents are currently renovating their kitchen there are two things that can destroy your marriage are you ready you read me for this putting together a playset for your children that's one right and two renovating anything specifically a kitchen in a home y'all with me on this so they've lived in the same house for 40 something years it's time to renovate so they're renovating their kitchen and my sister calls them and says how are you doing are you ready for your reception tonight we're gonna have all your friends it's gonna be a lot of fun and we're even gonna dance okay now my dad was is the son of a preacher man y'all y'all know that song right he was the son of a preacher man. Specifically, he was the son of a Baptist preacher man, which meant when they had dances in their community, he snuck in late and left early so the newspaper wouldn't take a picture of him and his dad wouldn't find out. All right, so I thought, it's going to be great. We're going to dance at your reception. And they were like, yes, let's do that. So it was beautiful to watch them dance to their song, My Girl, and snap a picture and see all their grandchildren around. Isn't that kind of cool? Now, my sister says, how are you doing? And she said, well, I don't know if we're going to make it 50 years with this renovation going on in our house. And my sister responds, you raised Chip Wheeler. You're going to make it. My mom says, you're right. In the middle of the tough stuff in life, hear me on this, in the middle of that tough stuff, we've got to look for God's goodness in that. And as a teenager, here's where I was difficult to raise. I'll never forget. And I'll, look, there's some of you who are teenagers in here. You're about to drive or you're driving now. Do not do this, Okay. I'm using this as an example, you hear me, Levi, of what not to do in life, all right? Not only is this illegal, it's dangerous, but here's the illustration. Me and my buddies were in two cars, and we're going down Highway 78. The only place to go to watch a movie was in Athens, and so we decided to go watch a movie. Any of you guys grew up around here, and that was it. It was what drew everything together. It was the center of the known universe. I grew up in Monroe, not pronounced Monroe, but M-U-N-R-O-W, Monroe. And so we're driving down Highway 78. There's two cars packed full, and we decided to be do something really stupid. Are y'all ready for this? We decided to go the speed limit. Now, here's how we decided to go the speed limit next to each other on a, a four-lane road, and there was a line of cars behind us five miles long. And here's our rationale. We ain't doing nothing wrong. We were, and I get that now, so don't ever do that. <laughs> do you feel me on this, Levi? All right? Don't ever do something like that. I'm picking on him. You're in my sign. All right, here we go. Here's the point. I want you to imagine life as being two cars pacing each other going down a four-lane road or a two-lane road. You with me on that? One lane is God's goodness. Okay? God's goodness is affirmed through Scripture. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, get this passage of Scripture. It says, and he passed in front of Moses, and the Lord and it, it proclaiming. get, We'll throw it up on the screen. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the lord the lord the compassionate and gracious god is slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness this gracious and this good god you with me on that he's good continues to say things in scripture like ezra chapter 3 verse 11 notice this because in this powerful statement ezra is a priest and he's bringing the people of israel back to rebuild the temple after it's been destroyed. And he says this in chapter 3, verse 11. He says, With praise and thanksgiving they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. God's good. Psalm chapter 23, verse 6. You've heard this before. Notice what's happening here in Psalm chapter 23, verse 6 as we kind of deal with this. Um, And hopefully they can keep up with me in the back. I'm going really fast. All right. Notice this in chapter 23 verse 6 it says surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord what forever and we see other passages of scripture we won't go through them psalm 119 68 matthew 7 chapter 11 here's the point you are good and over and over again in scripture it says god is good that's lane 1 that's the pace car you with me on that that's the lane that says hey In all of this stuff, if we believe God, if we believe he is Jesus, and if we believe that scripture is true, if we believe we have a plan, we got to understand in the midst of all that, the first car, the first lane is God's goodness. But here's the problem, lane two, and this is where you and I exist. Life is hard. That's lane two. Life is difficult. Life has pressure. Life has challenges and while we're pacing God saying he's good he's awesome he's mighty he's compassionate he's gracious lane two his life stinks sometimes any of y'all with me on this? there's this huge affirmation that God is good but this is incredible reality this is a bad place right now and unfortunately here's the problem the reason it's a bad place you really want me to solve this for you real quick? It's because you're human and you live in a fallen world. And life's just going to be that way sometimes. It's going to be hard. And typically, when we're in these two lanes, see, the point where we want to be as believers is when we get to this point where even in the midst of our grief and our difficulty, we're going to merge into the God's goodness. Because the great lie, one of the great lies that we sometimes cling to is that to be a sold-out, on-fire Christian Is that we need to make sure that we're always happy. And that's just not accurate. Not only is that not accurate from the Christians that I know, it's not accurate scripturally, and we don't even see it in the life of Jesus. There was grief, there was pressure, there was pain, there was sorrow, yet the affirmation of God's goodness in the middle of it. You with me? And so, in times of difficulty, many of us run to this passage of scripture in Jeremiah 29 in specifically verse 11 and this is a passage of scripture that you have quoted to yourself possibly a dozen times notice what it says here specifically in verse 11 for i know the plans let's can we just read this together you've seen this it's on the screen okay we don't do this often but let's just start when i say when i say four you keep going all right you with me on that here we go for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future you're there right that's good stuff right man when you're in that lane two and life is hard and you look over there and seeing God's goodness in lane one you're like okay for I know the plans I have for you says declares the Lord plans to prosper you not to harm you and give you a future that's good but that ain't the whole story there's a whole lot more to this passage than just that most of it we've missed now Jeremiah writes the book of Jeremiah and the next book called Lamentations he is a prophet and we signify him as what we call a major prophet, in the Old Testament you have major prophets and you have what minor prophets, now here's the difference major prophets have longer books and the minor prophets are shorter, that's it alright They all hear from the Lord. They're all declaring God's glory. They're all declaring God's truth. And Jeremiah was a prophet during the time of Israel when things were absolutely chaotic. Israel had split into two countries, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. And because of their great sin, there were two kings, one in the north, one in the south. And because of their great sin, God says, I'm going to punish Israel. So the Assyrian empire came in and took over the southern kingdom. But... Because of life, because of plagues, and because of other armies, the Assyrians lost their power. So now you just have the northern kingdom. Are you with me on this so far? Jeremiah was a prophet to the only existing kingdom of Jewish people in the area that had not been taken into exile. And that was the northern kingdom. And what was found in the northern kingdom? It was a city called what? Jerusalem. It was the center of everything Jewish. And Jeremiah, because of their great sin, Jeremiah prophesies to them and says, look, bad things are going to happen to you too. There's so much in this, guys, I don't have time to cover. So I'm just giving you a sweeping generalization. You with me on that? Now, Jeremiah was a young man. He wasn't married. He suffered public beatings and public humiliation. Kings came to him and said, I need your counsel. And then they totally ignored it. He was a prophet and he was speaking about judgment. And yet at the same time, he was giving them hope. Jeremiah, the book, talks about that judgment and then hope and then Lamentations laments over that judgment. You with me on this? So he speaks all of this and at the same time he's speaking, another power in the Middle East begins to grow, the Babylonian Empire. Now you've all heard the phrase Babylonian before, right? Even in secular culture, Babylonians or the Babylonian Empire are known as people who were filled with pride and the people who were consumed with idolatry. When you call someone a Babylonian, I'm sure you won't go out and try to insult your children with that today, but when you somebody refer to someone as a Babylonian, it's a person that is completely forsaken God and tries to gratify their own flesh with everything they do. You with me on that? It's bad. It's bad. Now, these Babylonians were powerful, and they come in and completely obliterate the northern kingdom. They sack Jerusalem, and they exile all the people back to their own country, back to their country in Babylonia. And here's the Je- Israelites' great sin, chapter 2, verse 13 of Jerusalem of, of, of Jeremiah. It says this, my people have committed two sins. Now, here's the problem. This is what they've done wrong. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they dug their own cisterns, broken the cisterns, and that cannot, cannot hold water. Now let's leave that verse on the screen for a moment. I want you to understand their great sin and see if this relates to you or your own culture, okay? The first thing they've done wrong is that they turned their back on the Lord. Can you relate to that, or can you, do you, can you relate to that as a culture? We can, right? But here's, here's the greater sin, I think. They dug their own cisterns. And what does that mean? They dug their own wells to have their own water to produce what they needed. And the deeper issue here is they took their dependency away from the Lord and put it on themselves. Let me give you an example. Imagine that we had a covered dish dinner at church one day. I love those, don't y'all? And some of you are known for your casseroles and your cooking. I mean, you're, you, you're, you have a gift from the Lord and you need to share it with your pastor. <laughs> Probably with less sugar. All right. So imagine you cook that casserole. You bring it to church. And, we, and because it's so good, we lay it at the altar and we bow down and worship it. That is the same thing that they're doing. They're creating their own gods with their own hands. They take it out of the oven. They set it on a pedestal and say, we adore you. You see the lunacy in that but yeah we do it all the time those are the two great sins because of that they've forsaken God and establish their own dependency on themselves God punishes them through the people of the Babylonian Empire and he exiles them now let's look a little further here let's go to Jeremiah 29 again let's go back to verse 11 I want you to get what he's saying here the people are about to be put in exile or they're already there it's bad in the midst of all this suffering god makes a statement through the prophet jeremiah and says i know the plans i have for you says the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope in a future you with me on that what a wonderful promise we turn back to the lord he's going to give us blessing here's the problem are you ready for this some of y'all quoted that. You're gone through a bad day. And like, well, I know the plans that have for you, Lord. Here's your plans to give me hope, give me future prosperity. Okay, good. And we are. Right. Let's go to verse 10. Because sometimes we forget that verse. Verse 10 says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise and bring you back to peace. Then I'm going to promise to give you hope and a future not to harm you. Did you hear what I just said? 70 years. And here's the problem. Many of those people are never going to see Jerusalem again. Many of those people are going to die. Most, really, are going to die in Babylon. So here's the problem. As these two lanes are going down the road, and we look to him and say, You promised to give me a hope and a future and to prosper me and not to harm me. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. It might take 70 years. Are you okay with that? No. I just said it for you, right? Because some of you are like, yes, I'm gonna be pious right now in church. <laughs> You're not. That ain't cool. We don't want that. But what if? I mean, you don't just get over something, you grieve for your entire life. So, how do you deal with those? How do you merge these together? How does that happen? Here's the point, and this is what I want you to get, and this is where we're going this morning. God exists, He is Jesus he has a plan and he is good but in the midst of this lane one of goodness and this lane two of difficulty and we want them to merge together here's the question we're going to try to answer in just a few minutes we have together how do we live in Babylon how do we live when life is chaotic and difficult, counter Jesus counter cultural, counter everything that's the question, that's your calling people is living in Babylon, how do you do it because our knee-jerk reaction is when Babylon comes to rest here we're like hey let's get angry and fight about it no 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 no. that's not what the Lord's saying how do you live here how do you live in the middle of this difficulty how do you live in a culture that continues to etch its way away from the Lord how do you do that well thank God for the Bible right Jeremiah 29 verse 4 this is what he tells the Israelite people I believe this communicates to us as well in 2022. And basically this is a letter, one of three letters that Jeremiah writes given to him by the Lord. And he says in verse 4, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. To which I've carried you into. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you, do not listen to them to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill your good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Then then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart I will be found by you declares the Lord and will bring you back from captivity okay there's a lot there but he gives them an outline of how to live in Babylon people and that outline is just as true today as it was then So let's kind of, I'm going to break it into four parts for us this morning. And here's part one. Living in Babylon, in order to go through those difficulties as we look towards the goodness of God and we merge these two together, means we need to learn to settle in. What does this mean? Let's go back to verse four. Specifically verse five, I apologize. He says, build houses and settle down plant gardens and eat what they produce make a life for yourself get busy living here's the thing things may not change things may not go the way you want them to go but that doesn't mean you just let it stop you we don't get stuck in the mud there are times we grieve you need to take time for that there are times we need help and move beyond that but here's the point here's what I'm settle in settle in build a life for yourself 1 Thessalonians chapter chapter 5 I believe verse 14 it says and we urge you brothers and sisters warn those who are idle and disruptive encourage the disheartened help the weak and be patient with everyone settle in be the people that God's called you to be so whether you're dealing with a lifelong illness a spiritual struggle grief the truth is we just can't stop living we have to settle in that's the point We have to settle in you make a life in the Alps somewhere in Switzerland there's a huge mountain that people love to climb but as you get ready to climb the mountain there's a plaque and it's a list of all the people who died trying to climb the mountain and there's a quote underneath it that said these folks died climbing that's what we need to be folks we don't fade away doing nothing. We die climbing. You with me? Settle in. Two, go to verse five, six. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that, here's the reason, they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Do you remember the command God gave to the people in Genesis chapter 3 and then later on in Genesis chapter I believe 9 and 10 it was this, be fruitful and what? Multiply, that is the premise right there you Jewish people you people of God, multiply and the point is he's saying even in the midst of this tragedy stick to the plan stick to the plan that was a principle we used last week we're going to use it again this week because it's so pertinent here when we feel like hey we love God's plan I don't know if he's good or not we're going to follow God's plan I hope it's a good one even when you feel like it's not stick to the plan you with me what does scripture tell us do it Shadrach Meshach and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3 were also people who were living in Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar who was the king of Babylon at that time said look I'm going to make an image of myself and when you hear all the trumpets and all the flutes and all the lyres and everything like that you bow down and worship that image and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego knew the Bible and they said no we will not bow down to an image we only bow down to the God Almighty the, the, the band started the people bowed down Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego would not do it and the king threw them into the fiery furnace do you remember that and then they were delivered but the point is, they drew a line in the sand. and said, "We're not going to cross it. We're going to stick to the plan." And for you and I, we can't like cul- hey, look, we can't be angry at culture for being culture. You hear me on this? You can't you can't be angry at people who don't know Jesus for not acting like they don't know Jesus. That's silly. It's kind of like being angry at a toddler who can't wash the dishes. That makes sense, does it? But for you, for me, we stick to the plan. We follow in his footsteps. No matter what culture tells you, there's a line in the sand we draw. So we stay on this side. We love the other side, love the people there. But we we'll stay on this side. Three, notice what happens here. Verse 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. That's the point. We have to settle in. We stick to the plan. Number three, be a blessing. Be a blessing to this community. Be a blessing to the people who frustrate you. Be a blessing to this culture. The point is while they were in Babylon, Their role is to be a blessing to the people of Babylon. That doesn't seem right, right? You've destroyed our country. You've destroyed our way of life. You've destroyed our temple. You've you've exiled us, and God says, look, while you're there, I'm going to deliver you one day, but be a blessing. That's the Jesus way. Four. Get this last part here. Verse 8. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty says. The God of Israel says, Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them. Here's what's happening in Israel. They wanted to get a relief so bad that they were begging the prophets to lie. And they were giving them false hope and God is saying this that's not going to be accurate for you. So for you and I living in Babylon, not only do we sh- stick to the plan, not only do we settle in, not only do we be a blessing, but here's what I want you to encourage you to do. Be alert and discerning. Be alert and discerning. You're going to hear a lot of things. You got to measure it against scripture. You got to measure it against truth if you go to savannah georgia and you go to some of these old cemeteries there you'll walk into the cemetery and you'll see a person that you know it says they they died in or it says they died in 1789 but they were born in 2001 something like that now think through that for what i just said you get that they died in 1789, but, died, but was born in 2001. And what would happen was that the Union soldiers during the Civil War had to camp out in the cemeteries, and they were 19, 18 years old, and they got bored, so they just started putting wrong dates on cemetery tombstones. Pretty funny, I think, you know. <laughs> and here's the point, why do I tell that story, is that if you just took that at face value, you'd be like, that is the most crazy thing I've ever heard of. There must be aliens, you know, I don't know. But when we discern what's really happening, we find out what truth is, right? be alert, be discerning. This is huge. This is huge. But let's go back to verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed from Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill the good promise. That's hard. 70 years is a long time, right, people? That's tough. And like I said before, some grief you carry for a lifetime. But we go back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 and 6 in the New Testament paul writes this while in the midst of tragedy he says i thank my god every time i remember you i thank my god every time i remember you and all my prayers for all of you i always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now and then he says this being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of jesus is it the good work isn't the circumstance the good work is the completion until the day of jesus get it people and so as we go through those 70 years understand what God has done he's given us great salvation right you have hope let's understand what God is doing he's making you more like him let's, let's understand what God is going to do he's going to come back one day and glorify himself and we get to be a part of that glory but while we wait in these two lanes Let his goodness converge into the difficulty and see it in a different perspective. So, points of application, number one. While you're living in Babylon, shine. Shine light into darkness. Even even when it's tough. I was watching a video of a young lady who struggles with living. She She struggles with wanting to take her own life and she said that uh, she struggles with this from the point of view because not only is it hard for her to exist, it's also difficult to her from, to hear from other Christians she is a believer to say, you just don't know how much God loves you. And her response is, I know how much God loves me because every day I, he gives me the faith to show me that I'm valued. And he saves my life daily. That doesn't take away how I feel. People don't need you to be happy all the time. People need to see you on your worst day point towards Jesus and say there's hope. That's shining, guys. You with me on that? Some of us have some miserable circumstances around us. But there's still hope and you know it that is the greatest and most radiant light the most greatest radiance of shining towards people happened on the cross where Jesus was going through the most miserable thing in the world but yet his light shined brighter than this world has ever seen guys shine and then finally another action step engage with God, his word and his people pray scripture the body of Christ while we wait we need this let me finish with this I've got a few minutes left Um, some of you know the story of our church we started in a uh, started in my living room with four people went to the Winder YMCA how many were there when we were doing that a couple of us in here I know Tina was baptized there Uh, and, um, and we were in the YMCA aerobic room for a while then we moved to the gym and then we kept trying to find a place to meet and have our own and every time we'd knock on a door that door closed it's hard to build a church during a recession and so finally uh a guy a friend of mine I knew even when I was a child named Doug Garrison who was the county extension agent here in Barrow County who became a realtor after he retired called me and said Chip there's a there's a feed store over there off Highway 53 Hog Mountain Road and that feed store uh he wants to sell. You should go over and talk to him. I think he'd work out something with you. So I walked, came over here, and uh, Doug introduced me to a guy named Terry England. Terry England loved Jesus and said, Look, I think I need a church here in this feed store. We'll work it out financially for you guys to come in here. So we did a lease purchase agreement. Two years later, we signed a purchase agreement, and then it's ours, and we've renovated three or four times. There's a couple other things we want to get. If you ever want to pay for have a floor put it in this room, we would love your resources on that. So I got a call a couple weeks ago that Doug, who had introduced me to Terry, had passed away. And I went to the funeral, the visitation, and some of you know Doug. He was very popular in our community. And I I just wanted to tell his widow one thing. I never met her before. I've known Doug all my life. I said, I want you to know that your husband's light continues to shine through the people of River Hills Church. That even in death, God still shines through him. And her response was this He loved his Jesus. This is the shining that we need to have here. You hear me, people? That even in the difficulty, we show this community in this world, Jesus. There is hope. And this morning, you may not have experienced that hope. You may not have experienced Jesus. You may not have, you've allowed life just to kind of bog you down to a place to where you're stuck in lane two, right? Life's just hard. I want you to tell you there's hope here. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing one last song and worship together. If you need prayer or you need Jesus, give you two options one i'm gonna be standing over here to my left two you can text in the phrase new to rh oh not new to rh i need jesus or you can take your connect card and fill it out and say this morning i need christ or put a prayer request down and turn it in at the guest services center as you leave but take the steps you need in order to experience the hope of christ and shine that light to others y'all with me on that let's pray together father we love you and as we doubt so much of your plan, I pray, Father, that you would remind us it's good and that you are doing good things and that you are good. So Christ, speak to us this morning. Fill us and overwhelm us. and Give us the grace necessary to experience. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.